Rinkwide Vancouver. Tis the season, and what a season for Brock Besser, a hat-trick, his sixth multi-goal game, and the Vancouver Canucks defeat the Tampa Lightning by a score of 4-1 at Rogers Arena. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway, Jeff Patterson, along with Irfan Gaffar. It is Brock's world, Irf, and we're just living <laughs> in it. Yeah, it, it's wild. I tweeted jokingly in October, Brocktober, because I was like, <laughs> this might be it, and let's enjoy it if you're a Canucks fan, and then let's see what, what's going on, but... Brockett Richard, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, and I think, Jeff, the way of the hat trick tonight was was a little bit different. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll get into it and, and things like of that nature. But, you know, the, the, the tap-in we're accustomed to seeing, the slap shot, we, you and I have talked about it. You know, he hasn't been getting those shots off, but the slap shot looked pretty good, traffic in front, and then obviously the Brock special, the empty net to seal the deal. <laughs> yeah, but it took him two tries. Yeah, I know. He laughed about that post game. Uh, you're going to hear from Brock Besser a little later on here on Rink Wide. You'll also hear from Thatcher Demko and the head coach, Rick Tockett. The Canucks have won three in a row after this win one, lose one. They have snapped out of that in style with three consecutive victories over Minnesota, over Carolina, and now over this Tampa team. And I guess the common thread there is they've had to grind a little bit in the third period, but they've been successful doing it. And Earth, they are 16-0 and now when they take a lead to the third period. I mean, that's impressive stuff for the Vancouver Canucks. And I think each one of these is a building block. That Carolina game, they gave up the lead. They were tied, but then they got the lead back again. And I thought were really strong defensively, even though they got outshot. Here tonight, again, this is a Tampa team that has a roster full of Stanley Cup champions, of guys that are going straight through the front door of the Hall of Fame. (laughs) They were without Victor Hedman tonight, but still a ton of firepower there. So you're expecting a Tampa push, but outside of Steven Stamkos and his one-timer, and Thatcher Demko won that battle uh, head-to-head throughout the night, I I look through my game notes and... Again, Tampa has 13 shots on goal in the third period. They outshoot the Canucks 13 to four. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a long list of Thatcher Demko having to stand on his head and make these incredible saves. He made the saves he's supposed to. Team in front of him, I thought, played pretty well. And then ultimately, there's Brock to seal the deal with his third of the night, 21st of the season. I thought it was a maybe a weird, weird way to describe it, but it's a very professional win yeah. from, from the Vancouver Canucks and, and the way they went about business. You and I have done a few of these. They don't shoot a lot in the first period when we do them, Jeff. <laughs> they actually don't at all. Four shots in the first period, came alive in the second with 14, obviously four to close the game. But I think that, that the biggest thing is taking a lead into the third period because in years past, when you look at this team, they couldn't keep a lead when they were up, right? Right. They would always let teams back into the game. And, you know, Tampa did press a little bit, maybe not as much as the Tampa Bay Lightning of the past. And, and the way they did, but you have to give credit to the Vancouver Canucks. You know, when they take a lead into that third period now, 16-0, they have closers, and they are able to close games. And as the season gets longer and longer and longer, you're going to have to start to get wins, and they're going to get a little bit more difficult down the stretch. If you have the ability to close games, rely on your defending, your goaltending, and your star players to to steal the deal, you're going to win more games than not. Yeah, Phil Giuseppe takes a a tripping penalty in the offensive zone at 3-1, and you thought, okay, it's test time. And the Canucks passed this test. They aced the exam against a Tampa team, again, without Victor Hedman, but still uh, all sorts of star power and horsepower in their lineup. And they came into this game with a power play that was running at 30%. It was one of the top three power plays in the National Hockey League, and the Canucks killed off all three of their shorthanded situations. And that's a story that I do want to delve into a little bit because we're seeing before our eyes a change in personnel, a change in philosophy 
about who's hopping over the boards first to kill these penalties, and it seems to be serving the Canucks reasonably well. But it is Brock's night. I kind of want to go through his goals yeah. because, as you said, we've sort of seen the net front, although this one wasn't necessarily in the blue paint. There was a little bit more force <laughs> required, sweeps in the rebound on the backhand. But again, in front of the net, putting himself in position. That's where pucks are. That's where goals are scored. And that was his first of the night midway through the second period. It gave the Canucks their first lead of the night, a lead that they would not relinquish. And he was up to 19 at that point for Miller. And Nils Hoaglander was credited with the second assist. So that line comes through, good net front presence there, and eventually uh, he's getting the bounces. I know he hit the post and it stayed out on the breakaway the other night, but I think that's the only bounce that he hasn't had yeah. uh, pretty much all season. You know, an important goal for the Canucks. They gave up the early one. They tie the game. We'll talk about Kuzmenko as we go as well. But, you know, I thought you, you called it professional. I thought there was some patience shown by the Canucks. They didn't look spooked by giving up a goal a minute and a half into the hockey game. And... You know, one thing they've done, I mean, they have opened the scoring themselves a ton this year. And in fact, they had done it nine of their last 12 games. So they're not chasing the game an awful lot. But another thing that they've done well is when they do give up the first one, they don't give up the second one. I think they've only fallen behind 2 nothing in three games. It's like they're approaching the 30-game mark here, and they've only trailed 2 nothing in three games. So both teams want to score that first goal. Yeah, You're not always going to get it. But if you deny the other team from extending its lead, you know, you're back on even terms, and that's what they did here, and then I thought they were pretty patient, one all to the middle stage of the second, and then Besser gets going, and they get a lead, and at that point, we've talked about how, you know, they're pretty good now at choking out opponents uh, in the third period when they have the lead there. So, a big goal for Brock and a big goal for the hockey club to get out in front of this Tampa team that has struggled away from home, just five road wins all season long, not the same Stanley Cup roster obviously there's been a lot of turnover beneath that star level they're so used to being at the top of the standings they're nowhere close to the top you know i'm curious to see where their season goes from here but this is a canucks postgame pod so <laughs> let's focus uh, you know i mean yes there is an opponent to talk about but let's look at that goal again put them up two to one i just thought an awful lot of good work by that line that's been doing a lot of good work uh, especially since niels hoaglander joined them well, Niels Hoaglander is, is another guy that, you know, we, we can talk about as well. Another very good performance from Niels Hoaglander. You know, he's he's making plays on the offensive zone. There's a play in the defensive zone where he threw a hit on Kucherov uh, right on the boards. Yeah. And Kucherov gets up and he's like, whose number was that? And he kind of, you know, may not know where he was for a second. And then he went and chased the puck again. And he's tenacious on the puck. He's putting himself, again, we talk about this all the time, in positions to succeed and, and be a guy that's relied upon. And I think for, for him and, and being on that line, you know, JT Miller and Brock Besser are obviously carrying the weight, but... Nils Hoaglander, you know, he looks pretty good. He doesn't look out of place. And I think that that's one of the things that people thought that might get lost a little bit, that he might not find his place on that line. But he's fit in perfectly. And and, and I really think it's it's uh, he's reaping all the benefits of playing with those two. Well, he's pushing the pace. Yeah. He, he draws the track penalty in the first period that leads to the power play goal. I thought a bit of a soft call there, but... He's doing what he has to do. Chernak puts his hand on him, and the referee calls the penalty. He knocked the puck out of midair, Sergachev, with the clearing attempt in the dying seconds of the second period, and Hoaglander you know, converted, or almost converted there, but he generated a scoring chance sort of out of nothing. Uh, then in the third period, again, against Sergachev, down the right side with speed, drives to the net. You know, you can see the confidence building in this guy, and what a great opportunity. He starts training camp on a line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Yeah. That's pretty plumb assignment there, but if you can't hold on to that one, 
pretty good landing spot to be playing with JT and, and Brock Besser the way that they're going. So they make it a 2-1 game. It stays that way, and you're thinking, all right, you know, if the Canucks get out of this period and they're up 2-1, to one, they'll be pretty happy taking a one-goal lead to the third, but there's Brock to extend it. And I just thought of, at that point, it was 20 goals. He obviously added one more with the empty net, but of his 20 goals, to me that was one of the cooler ones that he has scored because <laughs> Quinn Hughes quietly has a three-primary-assist night, right? Like most nights, we would be raving. He'd be the story, but he takes a backseat to Brock Besser on this night, but had such a huge hand in the 3-1 goal, Besser's second. Just any time that Quinn sort of darts behind the net, like we've seen him shoot as he attacks from that position. We have seen him, you know, circle the net and control the play and get guys to chase him and, and just hold on to the puck in the zone. And if you watch the replay there, I don't blame Tampa. I mean, every single guy on the ice is puck watching. It's Quinn Hughes. You just don't know how he's going to beat you, but you kind of figure he's going to. And Brock read it perfectly. as He kind of slid across, kind of matched Quinn Hughes as he was behind the net, finds that open area, and Quinn puts it into the wheelhouse and just an absolutely beautiful one-timer. But there was just an awful lot to like in that sequence. Well, yeah, and and I think that, not just the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think when Quinn Hughes gathers speed and goes behind the net, most teams are like, oh, man, like, <laughs> what is he going to do? Because you just mentioned he can come around and shoot. He can make a brilliant pass like he did to Brock Besser tonight. Or he can take it all the way back to the blue line, make guys miss, and start again. Right. And I think that that's one of the things, if you're a defense, you say, well, this guy's going to do, Quinn Hughes is going to do what Quinn Hughes is going to do no matter what. It's the other guys we need to worry about. But that play that you mentioned is something in Brock's game that we, I don't know if we've seen it too, too much, is being able to identify where he needs to be before Quinn Hughes gets there so he's able to make the pass that's hockey IQ right and that's something that you learn and you develop over time and and and, you know some of the professionals have been playing for a really 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 long time don't even have that Brock's 26 right and and he's able to do that and Quinn obviously we know how young he is and 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 the things that he can do in the elite talent level that he is but there's just that play you mentioned you know being able to go along the boards and just identify where to be and how to put, put, put the puck in the net and then he shoots it Right, because we don't see that often yeah. from Brock Besser. You get the shot off, and you got all—you clearly got all of it. Ends up in the back of the net. A little bit of traffic in front, obviously, but uh, just a really, really, really nice play from the Vancouver Canucks um, all around on that goal. And yeah, I—you uh, know—you mentioned the three primary assists for Quinn Hughes on any other night other than tonight. We would be sitting here talking about him, but you don't because that's just how well-rounded this win was for that team. And Quinn had three points in his last six games. Like, there had been a little dip in his production, and I do think that some of these days off that the Canucks have had of late were done with an eye to team fatigue, but Quinn is one of the engines, obviously, and if there was some fatigue creeping in, he's played a ton, obviously. You know, he just didn't look as dynamic of late, and if it was the rest, I mean, they had an optional on Sunday that most of the star players opted out of, a full team day off on Monday, and the idea was to have energy and reserves, and Quinn Hughes looked recharged and rested and refreshed, and, you know, it's all over the score sheet as well. So there probably is a little cause and effect there. The rest uh, serves him well, and when he's going, generally this team is going. So, uh, yeah, a big night for Quinn Hughes. We'll get to our rink-wide Vancouver three stars. Uh, I think we've uh, kind of spoiler alert <laughs> there. We've talked about a couple of them. And let's talk about Andre Kuzmenko because uh, he's been a focal point for a lot of the wrong reasons here of late. Did he have an incredible night start to finish? No. Did you notice him for the right reasons, though, for the first time in a little while? I would say absolutely, yeah. And you saw his celebration, and you could tell that it meant uh, he he downplayed it post-game. It was kind of funny. They brought him out, and 
he's not the effervescent personality that he was on so many nights last year. And I think he recognizes that he's got a lot of work to do on the ice uh, to gain the coach's trust and all those types of things. So he was sort of downplaying the importance of the goal. But in the moment, you could see how much that meant to him. Oh, absolutely. Relief, yeah. right? He um, turns around, he has that big smile, weight off your shoulder, monkey off the back, whatever you want to call it. You shoot the puck and you get it in and it scores. Maybe you're going to shoot the puck a little bit more now. But it was his defensive play as well that, you know, you noticed he came on that back check on Steven Stamkos, yeah. you know, probably in the back. And Stamkos had five shots, right? And, you know, Kuzmenko, obviously, that was probably might have been his most dangerous one. And, you know, it could have saved a goal there. Talking about Andre Kuzmenko for all the right reasons, I think, is one of the conversations that we should be having. Because it's been, I mean, again, you and I have done this a lot. And Andre Kuzmenko has been on the wrong end of conversations with his head coach. You know, he knew he wasn't playing well. But for him to be able to go out and, you know, score a goal tonight and be able to make that defensive play, you know, when you go into the film room and the Canucks and their coaching staff goes into the film room tomorrow or wherever it is, it's those are the things that they need to show him now because that's one of the things that's going to help you build your confidence. Yeah, and so the goal is great, and I'm with you. Shoot the puck a little bit more starting this night. Nikita Kucherov, who led the NHL in goals and points, led the NHL in shots on goal as well with 137. Kuzmenko started the night 99 shots back. Now, he's not a volume shooter. We know that. But you can't put the puck in the net unless you put that puck on goal. And so, hopefully, it is sort of some positive reinforcement. Rick Tockett talked about how Sergei Gonchar has been in town here and working with him. And they're they're trying to convince him to shoot the puck a little bit more. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see if this uh, has some sort of carryover in the games ahead. You know, on the night, Kuzmenko is 12 minutes and 56 seconds of ice time, under 10 minutes at even strength. Two shots on goal, had one that missed the target, so three attempts. But... You're right. It was the back check on Stamkos. There was a, a forecheck with PDG in the second period where they hounded the puck and the, the Bolts kept turning it over. They couldn't get it out of their own zone. You know, baby steps here, but some positives rather than us talking about, oh, he got one shift in the third period or, you know, is he coming out of the lineup and those types of things. So he knows that he's got to be a whole lot better. Uh, it was funny, though. And again, uh, you know, there is a little bit of a language barrier still as he stood there with all the microphones and cameras, but he was quick to mention something about 10 and 11 minutes of ice time. There was nothing lost in translation there. He knew exactly you know, where his ice time has been here of late. The reason is because he hasn't been playing particularly well, but uh, he played well, the team played well, and he's not part of the penalty kill, but that was a, a big part of this hockey game. And obviously your goaltender has to be your best penalty killer. Steven Stamkos with those five shots that you mentioned, the two in sequence oh, yeah. in the first period where he gets the first one and then kind of the rebound comes around. He goes around Juleson and gets as good, if not a better look the second time. And Thatcher Demko was just square to him there, uh, made those saves, and then the big one-timer on that PDG penalty in the third period. So Stamkos tried. It wasn't for a lack of shooting on his part, but Canucks keep him in check. They keep Kucherov, the league's leading scorer, in check. JT Miller with a couple of points, so he closes the gap it's down to five now it's uh, you know he's still got some work to do but JT gets two points on the score sheet two points in the uh, standings and Kucherov leaves town empty-handed without a shot either yeah. Nikita Kucherov and I think that that was one of the biggest things as well as you know the NHL's leading scorer the guy that obviously you know Rocket Richard and, and things of that but Without a shot, Nikita Kucherov. I, I can't tell you the last time he, he had a game without a shot this season. So credit to the Canucks. I mean, they shut down their best player. 
yep. um, obviously. And then they forced, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning to try and beat them another way. And, you know, without taking penalties, they killed penalties when they had to. Demko needed to make saves when he had to. But, yeah, I think that, you know, you mentioned JT Miller with a couple of points there, Jeff. And I think that he takes so much pride in being able to, you know, go up against the team's top guys as well. Like, you know, that that line was going up against the Kucherov line a lot. And for him to be able to go into that game and basically shut down the league's leading scorer and get two points and close the gap, like you just mentioned, I think that was huge for them and huge for a guy like JT Miller. I mean... He's JT Miller. We we all know the the type of person that he is. But you look at what that what that line did defensively um, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think that was huge. And it has to feel good. I yeah. know that the storyline has played out, but he was on the other side before the trade to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime uh, you beat a former team, it's probably a little bit uh, you know puff out the chest a little bit more. Uh, also, I mean the Bolts have beaten the Canucks seven straight times. And again, think of where they've been in their competitive cycle here. But they have owned the Canucks the last seven times they've met. And in fact, a Vancouver team had not beaten Tampa at Rogers Arena since 2016, since the night Matthias Oland went into the Ring of Honor. Here we are uh, 48 hours away from Roberto Luongo being added to that Ring of Honor. But uh, a long time since the Canucks had posted a home ice win over the Tampa Lightning. So they can uh, scratch that one uh, as their full value for this 4-1 victory. Just back to that penalty kill for a sec. Elias Patterson taking his first penalty of the season, so uh, uh, no longer with the the bagel in the uh, PIM column. Uh, I don't imagine that uh, this will start any sort of trend with him uh, spending time in the penalty box. Uh, the trend that's a little concerning is the too many men. I mean, yeah. uh, the fourth time on the homestand here, once against New Jersey, twice against Carolina, and here tonight. So uh, figure that one out, guys. <laughs> Seems pretty fundamental. They had six players, six skaters and the goaltender in the defensive zone. Like uh, I saw a screen grab. There, that was a complete no-doubter. There, the Tampa bench was up in arms. Really, it was the, the Tampa bench that I think called that penalty, although... Uh, hard for the referees to to miss that when you have the, the six Canucks out there. But when we look at the penalty kill right now, Irf, and, and I mentioned that there has sort of been this change that, you know, for much of this season, JT Miller's been the first guy over the boards, taking the face-offs. Elias Pettersson's been out there with him. And since Teddy Bluger has returned to the lineup, we're now starting to see Teddy Bluger take on a much bigger role there. Nils Amon. Uh, Dakota Joshua has been part of the penalty killing group uh, really all season long. PDG's performance has slipped. He's, you know, came out of the lineup for a couple games on the fourth line, but uh, still does some penalty killing. But when you look at the forwards in the penalty kill tonight, Nils Amon, 2 minutes and 49 seconds. Dakota Joshua, 218. Teddy Bluger at 212. PDG at 136. All of those guys with more penalty killing time than JT Miller, who was at a minute and 22 seconds. And... Yeah, proof's in the pudding there. They go three for three. They hold Tampa to six shots on goal in six minutes of power play time. Again, Thatcher Demko has to stop Stamkos, uh, and they zip it around. I mean, they it still look like a threatening power play, one that's running at 30% for the season. But on this night, uh, Canuck penalty killers were up to the challenge, and I think that it serves Miller and this team. Like, JT's valuable in so many other ways. Penalty killing's hard. I mean, those yeah. are taxing minutes, and if he can apply... Whatever time he's not killing penalties at even strength or on power play, I think that can help him. It can help the Vancouver Canucks. The other thing to keep in mind is we found out uh, earlier after the morning skate that Pia Suter is medically cleared now, could play Thursday, if not Thursday, out on the road. He's a penalty killer as well. So Carson Soucy still a couple of weeks away, but I think that they're getting a reinforcement in Pia Suter, and it's going to be interesting to see if he gets plugged right in as a penalty killer 
or we saw when Ilya Mikheyev came back from injury, you know, it was a bit of a slow roll before he came became part of that uh, four-on-five set. Yeah, Teddy Bluger, uh, 18 games with the Golden Knights last year before the playoffs, 56% in the face-off circle. So he's a guy that's going to be dependent on. And you know, obviously, he's Stanley Cup champion, you know, plays a big role in the postseason there, but... It's a lot easier to start with the puck, especially when you're killing penalties. You know what I mean? So I think that that's one of the things that they're going to throw him out. You mentioned Pia Suter obviously being medically cleared. I think he's probably, maybe if they get a practice in um, on uh, on Wednesday, maybe Thursday ago, but you never know on the road trip here. No morning skate on the trip before Minnesota, so you maybe might try and get your routine and everything in at home on Thursday night. When it, and it's just a boost for the Canucks, you know? Every team is going to go through injuries, and if you can overcome these injuries and whatever adversity you have and you start to get your guys back, but you are playing well, well, it just invigorates the guy coming back into the lineup. You know, P.S. Suter knows he's going to come in and he knows that he's going to come into a team that's already playing well. Bluger in his spot playing well. Now he's going to move down the lineup and P.S. is going to take over his spot and, 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 and things of that nature. So for the Canucks to have and, and, and be able to not just have to rely on J.T. Miller and Elias Pettersson, but to have that depth down the middle with Bluger and with P.S. Suter, I think that's huge. And I think that that's one of the things when if you're a penalty killer and if you're a coach coaching that, you know, you have these guys and be able to win face-offs. I think that that's a, an, an extremely good luxury yeah I, I wonder I mean this is three straight wins for the Canucks I wonder if Rick Tockett tampers with a winning lineup yeah, even agree. though he's got Pia Suter available and then as you said it's out on the road back-to-backs early starts a guy coming off a fairly significant groin injury probably doesn't need back-to-backs to start like I wonder if his return to the lineup is delayed until Sunday yeah. in Chicago just to give him as you said some opportunities uh, take the warm-up if you wanted to, whatever. But I don't think it makes much sense to put him out there for back-to-back games to start when he hasn't played uh, in over a month. So we'll see how it goes. But again, just another option. And, you know, I'm curious, when Nils Amon leads all forwards in ice time, I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, Nils Amon's going to be the guy that comes out of the lineup. I wonder if uh, PDG is on borrowed time again. Kuzmenko's scoring. He's part of power play one. So it's going to be fascinating to me to see how this all plays out. And of course, you know, it speaks to a healthy group up front and knock on wood for the Canucks. That's probably not going to last all season long, but they are a remarkably healthy bunch and, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Uh, Injuries are going to happen. It's contact sport. But when you've got most of your guys available to you, that's when you want to make hay. And they're doing that. Three straight wins, four of their last five now. So uh, all of a sudden, when you go win one, lose one for a while... But you snap out of it and you string three wins together, you know, four out of five. This kind of feels like uh, they're getting back to where they were a little bit earlier in the season. Lots still ahead here on Rinkwide Vancouver. We'll get to our three-star selection. We'll have the staff that stands out. We'll get uh, some listener feedback from our social channels. We'll dip inside the locker room as well. But right now it's time for our Betway Bet of the Day. And when we look at uh, the NHL schedule on Wednesday, Pittsburgh at Montreal. The Penguins were at home. They were winners over Arizona, but now they've got to travel. It's back-to-back for them. Montreal, a home underdog here, but I'm going to take the Habs at 225 (laughs) on the money line, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Sid the Kid and the Penguins invade Montreal, but that's our Betway bet of the day. Must be 19-plus to play. Please play 
responsibly in the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we used that as the segue a lot, but they played responsibly in the third period. Mm-hmm. Again, got outshot, but uh, Thatcher Demko looking like early season. Thatcher Demko, he was on his game. The guys in front of him were on their game. They were physical in that third period. There was that one sequence when Ian Cole hit Sorelli, and then Stamkos came in, thought he was going to lower the boom on Cole, and he missed. And yeah. The two of them toppled over each other. That got a huge roar out of the crowd. People were into it, and why wouldn't they be? This hockey club is 11-3-1 on home ice, and they have brought the fun back to Rogers Arena. And with more nights like this one, the real payoff, they get that much closer. I mean, it's only December, I get that. But they certainly have set themselves up with this run now with a record of 19-9-1, 39 points now on the season. The Vancouver Canucks positioned well to be there when this 82-game musical chair stops and looking more and more like they're going to have one of those eight seats in the Western Conference. It's rink-wide Vancouver. We'll carry on. We've got more here. You're going to hear from uh, Brock Besser and Rick Tockett, Thatcher Demko, uh, as we push on with the post-game pod. On a busy night at Rogers Arena, the Canucks defeat the Tampa Lightning by a score of 4-1. to one. Jeff and Earth with you. Here it is rink-wide Vancouver. We've given our thoughts on this one. Let's hear from a number of the players. Uh, we'll hear from the head coach as well. In fact, we'll start with Rick Tockett. Uh, like the performance, top to bottom. No, I, I think it was just a solid win. I mean, um, you know, we were a little rusty early, but I think we settled in. I thought the penalty kill was great tonight. I mean, they had their chances, but um, I thought the penalty kill held it together. And I thought... You know, pretty like all four lines contributed tonight in the 60. I thought it was a like a good team effort. Yeah, and he says right there, four lines. And I, I would agree with him. I mean, I think you can go through this game and come up with moments where, you know, was it uh, the best night for Garland and Joshua? Not as much as some of the nights of late, but they certainly didn't hurt this hockey club either. So I think, yeah, I would agree with the coach. Yeah, I said off the top, professional. Yep. And yep. I think that that's the coach probably agrees a little bit there as well. But anytime you're able to and can roll out your four lines in, in a winning hockey and be able to do it, I think it's a pretty good luxury to have. He talked about the penalty kill. Again, it goes three for three on this night, and it had been taken on a little bit of water of late uh, against a really good Tampa power play. So Rick Tockett pleased with the work of uh, the penalty killers, but also the guys in charge. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought Yosi in the uh, well, last couple of days, he, he said, I thought he did a nice job of sending video to the players, on the, even on the off days. I think that was good. Um, you know, obviously we're giving more ice time to some other guys. Uh, you know, Teddy and Oms obviously leading us and I think Dakota. Um, but I thought our game plan, I mean, what are they, 30% power play? I mean, that's a hell of a power play. And I thought we protected the middle pretty well. I mean, they got a couple of good looks and Demer was, you know, obviously there for us. But um, this this is a game when you when you penalty kill against a, a power play that, it, boosts, it should give us confidence. We should have a little bit of... You know, energy now with this penalty kill. Hopefully, can get a little bit of a run. You know, um, in the next four or five games, where the PK can be counted on. I think that's what we're looking for. Like a, a good run of our of good PK right now. Looking for a good run. All right, a lot of meat in that quote from Rick Tocchet. But right at the start there, I think that's fascinating. You know, we've talked about uh, this coach reading the room and giving guys days off, but then he says Mike Yo doing a nice job of. You know, just the world we live in. I, I love when Rick Tockett sort of 
peels back the curtain a little bit about, uh, you know, yes, it's a day off from the rink, but not entirely a day no. off if, if the coaches are delivering clips right to your phone. Well, I think that that's the biggest thing, right? And that's just kind of where we're at right now in the way of how coaching has changed so much. Meetings are obviously a lot shorter now with the attention span of some of these younger guys not just being there. And I think that's pretty, that's just natural. It's not a knock on anyone. Um, but yeah, and I mean, it's interesting to hear him say as well as, you know, the PK being able to give them some juice. You know, I mean, you obviously don't want to take penalties and that's not a, a good position to be in if you're taking too many penalties. But if they know that, you know, they're in a game and they're down 2 1, they, someone mistakenly takes a penalty and they can go and say, like, you know what, we can kill this or we can score on this. And I think that that's, that's also something that's pretty good. Yeah, they do have four shorthanded goals on the season, but didn't need a shorthanded one tonight. They do win the special teams battle with the only power play goal, the Kuzmenko goal, to tie this game at one. But Brock Besser was the story as he's been. Four goals on opening night. Has had a couple of huge nights at Rogers Arena. Again, his sixth multiple goal game. It's funny, JT Miller has 15 goals on the season, 15 one-goal games. And so he's just been remarkably consistent. Uh, Here he doesn't score, gets a couple of assists, but uh, was in on Brock Besser and his big night goals, 19, 20, and 21 on the season. We talked about that second one. I asked Brock, uh, what does he see when he sees Quinn Hughes take off with that puck and head behind the net? Um, Yeah, I think just, you know, I was just kind of scanning the ice and saw most guys were, I think, watching Quinn. I mean, he's a hard guy not to... You know, I think we kind of do the same with Cooch when he gets a puck. You kind of just naturally start looking at him and don't scan the ice for guys. So I just thought the high ice was open for a, a one-timer, and it worked out well. I like that description. Scanning, as he said. And if you watch the replay, you can see that. Uh, Brock is out high in the slot, and I think he recognizes that, again, Quinn can shoot it, but if he doesn't, you know, put yourself in a position and Quinn is just so supremely skilled that if you're in the right spot and no one's around you, he's going to hit you with a pass. And that's exactly what happened there. And and then Brock uh, was on the business end. And as you said, I mean, that's a big time shot. Yeah. I mean, we know this guy can shoot the puck, but we have seen him launch the one timer a few times this year. Yeah, big time shot and a big time game and a big time moment. And I think that that was the biggest thing. I mean, it's funny. He just says, you know, we just watch Quinn. <laughs> like, just like everyone does. I think the funny thing about a lot of these guys is, you know, they're professional athletes and they go about their business and their things. But at the end of it, they're all still fans. Like he's saying, like, sometimes what we do with Kucherov. Right. You know, we, we got to watch him because he is just that good. So it was just funny to hear him say that. It was. It was like, yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah. I mean, it's Quinn. He's back there with the puck. Like, everybody's watching him. I asked Brock if he's allowing himself you know, just a moment here and a moment there to soak all this in. Like, he's going to bed tonight tied with Austin Matthews, who is you know, one of, if not the best goal scorers, pure goal scorers in the National Hockey League these days. And Brock Besser is there, neck and neck. Matthews got to 21, and Brock matches him with the hat trick. And so I just said, like, are you giving yourself even a few moments here just to lap this all up? Yeah, I think it's obviously really, really awesome, you know, especially after last season. But, um, you know, with that being said, if I focus on that too much, I I feel that I get away from my game. So I got to continue to focus on, you know, what uh, is giving me success. And that's all those little details. Pretty honest answer. You know, if you focus on it, that's when you run into trouble. And I, I, you know, I get that totally. I mean, he just shows up, the work boots on, and plays his game. And his game is allowing him right now uh, just to wield the hot hand night after night after night. You and I can sit here and say that if you would have told us December 12th that Brock Besser would have 21 goals on the season, I would have said mid-February, maybe 
pushing 15 to 20 just because of the way that the, th- the season went. And then obviously he scores four opening night and things just take off for him. But it's a credit to him and, you know, the, the way that he's prepared for this season and, and the way that he's going and the way that, you know, he's scoring in, in completely different ways, Jeff. It's up to 21. If you go back to last year when Rick Tockett took over in the third week of January, 65 games now for Brock under Rick Tockett, 29 goals yeah. for this head coach. So 29 goals in 65 games. Uh, you know, he's headed for 30 and then some as long, as long as he can stay healthy. One of his best buddies in that locker room is Thatcher Demko. They're two of the longest serving members of the Vancouver Canucks. Again, you talked about Team USA, another guy that <laughs> yeah. uh, will be right there in the mix as well. And Demko was asked after this game if uh, he's enjoying the Brock Besser show these days. <laughs> yeah, I am. It's good to see. Obviously, uh, Brock and I are really tight. We've been. Uh, really good friends for pretty much our whole career so um it's just it's awesome to see i know how much work he's put in um physically mentally spiritually you know just trying to get uh to his full potential and obviously you're seeing him takes take huge steps in that direction so it's uh it's awesome i like that physically mentally and spiritually as well uh yeah brock's just uh, he's in a good place and when you think of where he was at this time last year uh, five goals at Christmas time last year. And yeah. here he is sitting with 21 and still six games to go before uh, the brief holiday break this time around. So, uh, yeah, fun to watch. Even his teammates are enjoying it. For a guy like Demko, a huge part of this uh, game, we talked about the fact that uh, the Lightning outshot the Canucks 29-22 on the night. Stamkos with those five. I, I would think. I mean, I can't put myself in Thatcher Demko's gear. I wouldn't want to and face guys like Steven Stamkos. But... <laughs> You know, when you do this for a living, I mean, part of it is those one-on-one battles. You know, Thatcher Demko wants to think that he can stop every shooter in this league. Well, Stamko scored his 500th at Rogers Arena last year. He was sitting on 199 power play goals, and it just kind of felt like natural that uh, he would get another milestone against the Canucks in this building. But uh, Thatcher Demko, uh, he had other ideas, and at the end of the night, Demko comes up. Uh, the winner in that one-on-one showdown against one of the best goal scorers in the National Hockey League. He can shoot the puck for sure. Um, obviously, you know, like you said, he's one of the best goal scorers of our generation, and he's got, you know, another guy on the other side that uh, is really good at finding him. So um, it's a tricky unit, and uh, like I said, I give full kudos to our, our PK group at, uh, tonight. He says he can shoot the puck. <laughs> yes, he can. Yes, he can, and it's incredible. I mean, it's worked for Tampa for so long to you know, set Stamkos up on that half wall for the one-timer. You just see it, the whole way that their power play operates, and why wouldn't you? And you know, Again, five shots on goal for Stamkos tonight, but uh, nothing doing. Only one gets past him. It's Braden Points, 13th of the year, a minute and 25 seconds into the hockey game. Otherwise, that Demko was rock solid for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, we all know that, you know, goalies are wired a little bit differently. But when Thatcher Demko's, you know, talking about how, how how great it is to go up against these great shooters and to be able to want to beat them in one-on-one battles. I mean, I don't want to be in those shoes when Stamkos is doing that or when Ovechkin's doing that or, or whoever's shooting against him, you know, night in and night out. But uh, you got to credit Thatcher Demko. I mean, uh, you know, he's been very solid for them since since he signed his contract. You know, he, he's been their best player on most nights. And uh, he didn't need to be their best player tonight, but he was there when they needed him the most. And I think that that's one of the things when you look at it and say, okay, maybe probably we're not going to go back to this win against Tampa Bay as a as a pinpoint in the season. But, you know, Steven Stamkos, five shots, that's definitely going to give him some confidence moving forward. 
Yeah, Andre Kuzmenko looked like Steven Stamkos scored <laughs> on the right shot on that side of the ice. Uh, rips it short side. Six minutes, eight seconds into the first period. Power play goal tied the game at one. Hughes and Miller get the assist there. And Kuzmenko was made available after the hockey game. Again, just feels like such a different personality. Last year, we were sort of all discovering, you know, this larger-than-life character that was on his way to scoring 39 and was loving life. A little more subdued right now, but uh, Kuzi, after the hockey game, uh, was asked about uh, his excitement level in scoring for the first time since the Vegas game when he scored the only goal in a 4-1 loss. This was Andre Kuzmenko uh, on the Canucks win and contributing to it with his fifth goal of the season. It's a very interesting moment for me. I like it. It's a difficult time for me. It's not a problem. This is hockey. As the last season, you're good. This season is not good. It's, but uh, it's not finished season. It's just December. I have a time and a uh, very important time for me. Yeah, I mean, that's just a different player than so many nights last year. You, you can tell. I mean, very serious. He's stern. Called it a difficult time. Uh, knows that you know, last season was good. This one, not so much. But I like that at the end that, hey, it's only December. Yeah. There's still time here, and uh, we'll see what he can do with that time if he can somehow get this moving in the right direction. I know he said earlier, like, the hope is always with these guys, you know, when Connor Garland scores his next one as well, you you know, hopefully the floodgates open. Uh, problem is, Kuzmenko scored against Vegas and then has been remarkably quiet. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that one is going to turn the tide for him, but you can't get on a streak without that first one. So we'll see what Thursday brings, the Florida Panthers, and uh, we'll see if Kuzmenko can find, rediscover that scorer's touch. Yeah, it's got to feel good for him. I mean, you know, you, we mentioned the firepower and the star power on that team, but also his countrymen, you know, Vasilevsky, Nikita Kucherov, Mikhail Sergachev, you know, all guys that are Stanley Cup champions, Conn Smythe winners. And Andrei Kuzmenko is the one that gets the better of them on that night and scoring a goal, obviously, against Vasilevsky. So it's got to feel good for him. Um, There's obviously room for him to grow, and you hope that he's able to do it and just take it in baby steps and move it to the next game on Thursday night. Let's get to the rink-wide Vancouver Three Stars. They mirror the ones that were selected by the telecast in the building. Brock Besser with the hat trick, 21 now on the season. No doubt about it, uh, third star. And when he scored the hat trick goal and the hats rained down and you know, they put his face up there on the Jumbotron. Just a massive reaction. I mean, people here are pulling for this guy. They want to see him have this success. And I think fans are enjoying uh, every step of this ride right now. And and I think like everybody, I and mean, we're in the same boat. Like, where does it end? Where does it top out? It's going to be wild to see. Because you got 21 goals in 29 games. Brock Besser, the first star, Thatcher Demko, again, just uh, remarkably solid making the stops that he was supposed to. Didn't have much of a chance on the one goal that got past him. A little tic-tac-toe there as the Bolts uh, carve through the Canuck defense. So a bit of a stumble out of the gate, but uh, the rest of the way, the Canucks were were good, and Demko was a huge part of that. And, you know, we said, you know, for a lot of guys, this would be like a career night. For Quinn Hughes, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, three more assists. But he was so good for those first 20 games, almost impossible to stay at that level. So it was sort of natural that there would be well, you know, a little dip here and there. Again, if his dip is three points in six games, he's not being held in check entirely. And as we said, they've pulled out of this funk of theirs. They've won five, you know, four or five. And so if he's rested up here and he's uh, ready to fire things back up and play the way he did and leave his fingerprints all over this victory, then, uh, you know, more big things ahead for him and and this hockey club. Uh, A three-assist night, 
can only get to that third star position, though, for, for Quinn Hughes. Well, it's funny you say that because we're in this market, and obviously the fan base as well, when we see Quinn Hughes get three assists, it's like, oh, well, I mean, that's just another night for Quinn Hughes. You know, yeah. around the National Hockey League, it's probably a little bit of a bigger deal, you know, especially primary assists, but Quinn Hughes doing Quinn Hughes things. And then you look at this game, really, Brock Besser doing Brock Besser things scoring. Thatcher Demko doing Thatcher Demko things stonewalling, you know, guys like Steven Stamkos. But, uh, yeah, you could have put any of those guys in any sort of arrangement there, but Brock obviously taking the cake with the hat trick. Hats rained down, poured down to Rogers Arena, like you mentioned. And, you know, just uh, a great all-around, and I've said it probably three times already, but very, very professional performance from the Vancouver Canucks. 4-1, they defeat the Tampa Lightning. They split the season series. Canucks uh, fell behind down at Amelie Arena. They had that push in October, but... Fell short. Kucherov was incredible that night with a couple of goals, but uh, relatively quiet uh, to the point that he didn't have a shot on goal on this one and doesn't find the score sheet. Besser the hat trick. Canucks 4-1 winners. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Continuing to break down a 4-1 Canuck victory over the Tampa Lightning, required Vancouver, brought to you by Betway. It's Jeff and Irf here. We'll get to some listener feedback from our social channels at Rinkwide Van in a moment, but we always do the stat that stands out, and this one jumps off the page to me because this was the 29th game of the season. The Canucks now have 39 points, Irf, 19-9-1. With that record, they are now 10 games above NHL 500. If you look at what's happening around the playoff bar and below it in the Western Conference, I, I, I don't think that it's going to take much more than 10 games above 500. Like I think 92 points probably is going to get teams into the playoffs this year. Just though the way that it, there's so many teams that are scuffling along, St. Louis Blues are one of those teams that's not that far from the playoff bar. They fire, fire their, their coach. coach. Yeah. So... You know, Seattle won for the first time in a long time, snapped an eight-game win streak over the Canucks' next opponent, Florida, but Calgary lost to Vegas in overtime, so the Flames pick up a single point, but they don't get the full complement. Edmonton wins again. Nashville is a winner. Uh, San Jose knocked off Winnipeg by a score of 2-1, to one. but it just feels like so many teams are sort of spinning their wheels around 500. Now, Edmonton is showing that there's opportunities for some of these teams to catch fire, but I also think there's an opportunity for some of those teams, you know, Arizona, you know, maybe they take a step back, whatever the case, at 10 games above NHL 500, like the Canucks could, in my estimation, could play 500 hockey from this point forward. They'll get to 92 points. That might be enough. There's a pretty good chance that this year that will be enough for this team to end its playoff drought. That quick start, and then the 10-game stretch where they alternated, you know, they've come out of that with wins now, and if that's their lull, then they have set themselves up remarkably well uh, to get to 10 games over 500 here with 39 points in those 29 games. Six games to go before Christmas. They've got uh, the end of the homestand here, a chance to... Wrap up the homestand in style. It started with the loss to the Devils, but they have bounced back with wins over Minnesota, Carolina, now Tampa Bay, and then they get uh, Roberto Luongo <laughs> and the Florida Panthers. We'll talk about Lou here in a sec. But let's get to a little bit of listener feedback as uh, we dip into our social channels. And uh, Justin saying, Hoaglander's the best four-checker this team has had in a decade. A decade. Was Yannick Hansen was here within the decade. Yeah. 
Um, it was the tail end of Yannick Hansen. It was, but, yeah, I mean, if we're keeping it real, I look, he, he's going right now. He just looks every night now, just looks the part of a bona fide national hockey leaguer where this time last year was, you know, fading away and ultimately sent down to the minors. Uh, I think he's left the American Hockey League in his rearview mirror, and it's great to see. Uh, he's fun to watch and pain in the ass to play against, I'm sure. Yeah. Doug says, uh, impressed with how the Canucks play with the lead now. If nothing's there, they dump the puck into the opponent's end. Too often last year, the Canucks couldn't hold a lead. This team is maturing before our eyes. I would agree with that. And again, that record in the, the third period when they take a lead there, you know, I think that speaks to that. That even good teams, you know, have an off night, give up a bad goal, run into penalty problems, whatever. To not have a blemish on those 16 times that they've taken a lead to the third period, uh, that is impressive, impressive stuff. Callie Canuck. I was struck by their overall poise while protecting the lead. It's so nice that even when wild cards like Myers and Juleson have touched <laughs> the puck in the third, I didn't cringe. Uh, you know, look, I know that there was a stretch there where Noah Juleson struggled. I think this guy's holding his own all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And But people still, I, I, find, I don't know, I mean, maybe this market needs a whipping boy. Uh, Tyler Myers is never going to win over the fan base. I understand that. But, you know... People are starting to realize that, you know, the value, the reason that Noah Juleson stays in this lineup is his penalty-killing utility. And we've talked about the penalty kill. You know, we spent most of our night talking about the forwards up front, but Juleson's been a huge part of the penalty kill. You know, he's just an honest, straight-up guy, physical, block yeah. shots. He's never going to be a star, but this guy was a first-round draft pick back in his draft year. Like, you know, you're a first-rounder for a number of reasons. Part of it's hockey IQ. I don't think that goes away necessarily. And if this is a depth player, and that's what he is, I, I think he's holding up his own. Like, I, yeah. I, I think it's a little unwarranted and unfair, uh, some of the criticism I see of Noah Juleson. I, again, there was some struggles in the early going, but uh, I think he has settled in now and starting to, to find his rhythm. Uh, we'll finish up with this one, Jack. Special teams and all four lines played hard again. However, I don't want to see another too many men penalty <laughs> for a month. Uh, Rick Tockett probably would prefer to more than a month. He said after the game that he thinks that they've had their quota now. There are only two teams in the league that have had more bench minors than the Vancouver Canucks. So for a coach that harps on line changes and Discipline. You know, all the little things, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if he had hair to pull out, he would probably pull some hair out, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't. So uh, he's spared in that regard. But uh, yeah, uh, he liked the effort the coach did, and it sounds like uh, most of the fans in our inbox uh, appreciated what the Canucks put on the ice against Tampa here in this 4-1 victory. I think Thursday will be fun. Roberto Luongo's night, and I'm curious to see how many of his former teammates from the the heyday are back. I think uh, we've seen in years gone by when Alex Burroughs went into the Ring of Honor. There have been some other nights, obviously the Sedin's uh, jersey retirement and those types of nights that, uh, you know, that group. Uh, still pretty close all these years later. I would expect that uh, there will be a number of familiar faces in town to support Robert Luongo as uh, he takes his place in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the argument of honor, rafters, that's going to go on forever, but he's going up. He's going up into the ring of honor and and deserving. And we talk about, you know, polarizing figures in Vancouver Canucks history. And obviously, you know, there's Ryan Kessler and then there's a lot of other guys and Daniel Henderson. But Roberto Luongo might be one of, if not the most (laughs) polarizing figure that's ever wore uh, a Vancouver Canuck uniform just from from everything that's gone on. I mean, I when I started, you know, he was it was the year that they went to the Stanley Cup final. 
and uh, covering that team. And, you know, it, it was wild. And then you had the, you know, the, the Tim Thomas, the pump in my tires. And it's just there was so much there. And I think this city just really, really appreciated Roberto Luongo a lot and maybe towards the end a little bit more. But uh, for him to go very deserving uh, up there, it should be a really fun night on, on uh, Thursday, Jeff. Canucks have been rolling out some highlights and some tributes yeah. uh, all week long here. And just sitting back and watching those highlights you know, of Roberto in isolation. And I covered every step of his uh, years here as a Canuck from the arrival in 2006 uh, to the departure and obviously the run to that Stanley Cup final. And, and so, you know, I've seen most of those with my own eyes in real time, but just sitting back and and seeing how dominant he was and how he sort of elevated that position uh, and was such a backbone, obviously. And you're right. I mean, we could and have done shows about yeah. uh, the Stanley Cup final and his performance in Boston, but easily the best goaltender that the Vancouver Canucks have ever had and and started a lineage here of really 15 to almost 20 years where uh, they've had some of the best goaltending in the National Hockey League. And, you know, teams that have it know it, and the teams that don't, they know it too. And you, you can see pretty clearly some of the teams that uh, wish they have had the depth of uh, goaltending that the Vancouver Canucks have had over the last decade and a half. So, uh, yeah, there'll be lots more highlights. There'll be tributes. There's a bobblehead to the first, I think, 10,000 that are in there on Thursday. And I'm sure we'll hear from Lou and... Uh, now, we all know that the personality, it took a little while to emerge, yeah. but uh, once it did, uh, he's always fun, and I'm sure uh, uh, it'll be uh, quite a night uh, for him and his family and just uh, for the fans to celebrate uh, the greatest era in Vancouver Canuck history that unfortunately came up one game short. But uh, obviously his history and the story, too, of uh, the Olympics in that building. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to Thursday. The Canucks are going to see a Florida team that got shut out by the Seattle Kraken. So uh, Matthew Kachuk and uh, the Cats will not be in a particularly good mood. Oliver Ekman Larson's return as well. Yeah, and the Canucks were winners down in Sunrise uh, towards the tail end of that early season road trip. So they've beaten Florida once. They'll go for the season sweep here on Thursday night. We'll be back with another edition of Rink Wide Then. The Canucks 4-1 winners over the guys from... Northern Florida here, the Tampa Lightning, Kuzmenko, his fifth of the year, and Besser with the Hattie, 19, 20, and 21 for the Vancouver Canucks. Brock Besser tied with Austin Matthews for the National Hockey League goal-scoring lead. What a season it has been for the Brock Star. For Earth, this is Jeff. Uh, again, we appreciate your support so much, uh, and we'll be back to do this again after the Canucks and the Panthers on Thursday. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway.